Welcome to Pushback. I'm Aaron Maté. There is a scandal about Ukraine dominating the front pages right now, but there's another one that no one is talking about. And joining me to discuss it is my colleague at the Gray Zone, Ben Norton, here at the Pushback set. Welcome, Ben. Glad to be here. Thanks. So you have a new article about the arrest of a member of the U.S. Armed Forces. He was plotting to attack a media outlet and also uh, attack uh, Beto O'Rourke, the Democratic presidential candidate. But also, buried in this, and which is not getting very much attention, and which you flag in your latest piece for the Gray Zone, is that he was planning to go to Ukraine to fight with the Azov Battalion, which is a neo-Nazi militia that has been supported by the U.S. Can you explain? Yeah, well, this is a really shocking story. And, you know, the, the corporate media angle has been an extremist far-right member of the U.S. military, an active-duty soldier in the Army, is planning bomb attacks targeting an unnamed news outlet and Democratic politicians, specifically Beto O'Rourke. And that's a huge scandal, and it should be, right? At the same time, though, this is also yet another example of what intelligence agencies refer to as blowback. Blowback is where far-right forces that the CIA, the military, and other forces support abroad are then radicalizing and working with violent extremists here at home who carry out domestic acts of terrorism. So this is a, should be a major scandal similar to the acts of blowback of ISIS and other Salafi jihadist extremists in Syria and Libya who were empowered by the CIA and the US and then carried out violent acts of domestic terrorism here or in Europe. Very similar. Of course, the reason we don't hear that is because this group that he wanted to join, the Azov Battalion in Ukraine, just so happens to be backed by the U.S. government and fighting Russia. So here, let's unpack this here. The FBI this week released a criminal complaint. They filed it in at Kansas District Court. And this criminal complaint says a few different things. It names the 24-year-old U.S. Army soldier whose name is Jarrett William Smith. And Smith joined the U.S. Army in 2017. Before that, though, he was already a far-right extremist, and in the FBI's criminal complaint, it, it names specific messages that, and people he, he wrote to in the years before he joined the army and after he joined the army. For years, he has been in touch with another fascist far-right extremist from the U.S. named Craig Lang. Craig Lang has also been fighting with far-right extremists in Ukraine, specifically a group called the Right Sector. And the Right Sector, like the Azov Battalion, works closely with the Ukrainian government and the military in their fight against Russia. And of course, Russia is the big boogeyman we have to all be afraid of. Putin's under our bed. He stole our democracy. So, uh, so let's keep that here. So here's here's the scenario: you have a far-right extremist who's in regular correspondence with another far-right extremist who's helping him trying to go to Ukraine to learn how to use weapons, to use explosives, to kill Russians, to get training so he can come back home and kill liberals and journalists. Then, in these messages in 2016, this extremist Smith, who was just arrested, he said, if I can't find a slot in Ukraine, I'm going to just join the U.S. Army if I can't find a group. So this guy Craig Lang, this American extremist who was in Ukraine, was trying to help him saying, yeah, I'll recommend you to these groups in Ukraine and help you get into the neo-Nazi crowd in Ukraine. Obviously, he couldn't find a slot. He had no battle experience. So he just decided to join the army. So in 2017, this person that the FBI has, has known is a violent far-right extremist who was trying to join a foreign neo-Nazi terrorist group. He just joins the army. 
And of course, the army, which does background checks on people, they don't care because he's going to go kill Russians, right? He's going to go kill the official enemy of the U.S. And in the two years since 2017, when Smith joined the army, he has continued to share intelligence and tactics for building bombs with these foreign fascists and domestic fascists. So the FBI complaint shows all of these messages of this active duty U.S. Army soldier who is sharing bombing techniques and saying, yeah, I, I can make IEDs, improvised explosive devices. I'm so good at that. And he said, I can teach you how to make IEDs like the Afghans do. Of course, he's talking about the Taliban. So he's bragging in Facebook groups. <laughs> this is not like private communications. It's not like some, uh, you know, dark web thing. He's on Facebook groups with far-right extremists. The FBI criminal complaint talks about how in these Facebook groups, he says openly, yeah, I'm in the military and I'm getting all of this training and building bombs and I'm looking for fellow radicals, is the language he uses. So fellow far-right radicals and they're working together to try to build bombs. And then what was the final moment that this August was the kind of inciting incident when the FBI decided, okay, this guy is extreme and we're gonna to have to arrest him. He was, act, he was talking with an FBI informant and actively planning bomb attacks, targeting, again, an unnamed news outlet and liberal politicians. He specifically named Beto O'Rourke. He also mentioned in these messages that he wanted to kill members of Antifa, the decentralized anti-fascist group. So this, I mean, this is a scandal on so many levels. And we can talk about who Azov is and how the U.S. government has supported it. But again, there's just so many levels where he was an... an open, explicit, far-right extremist before he joined the army, then he joined the army, and for two years he was teaching other fascists and far-right extremists how to build bombs on the internet, on WhatsApp messages, on fa in Facebook groups. And of course the US Army, the FBI, ah, eh, it's not a big deal because he's in the US Army and he's helping them kill Russians. So, you know, he's not Muslim, he's not, he's not one of the bad terrorists, so he's, he's, he's He's one of the. He's allied with one of the terrorist groups. That's our buddies. It's such a striking illustration of how white supremacy is allowed to grow within the ranks of the U.S. military, the U.S. national security state. And on top of that, you have this level you're also talking about, which is U.S. policy towards Ukraine, which has allied itself with groups like the Azov Battalion. And you know, it's especially poignant right now, coming in the context of this scandal about Joe Biden and President Trump. So. Trump is accused of pressuring the uh, president of Ukraine to investigate alleged corruption by Joe Biden. And there's the suspicion that Trump tried to leverage U.S. aid to Ukraine. In the process, Trump did cut off some military aid to Ukraine. Putting aside what ha actually happened in that phone call, because we don't know the whistleblower's complaint. We don't have the transcript of Trump's phone call yet. Hopefully we will. But... What's interesting about here, this story here is there's this, it's presupposed to be legitimate that the U.S. is sending all this money to, to Ukraine's military. And this is a good example of what it's actually supporting. Uh, within its ranks is groups like the Azov Battalion, uh, neo-Nazis, which U.S. military trainers have even gone over and met. And you've actually uh, published articles about this, Ben, at the Gray Zone, the extent of U.S. military uh, ties to neo-Nazis in Ukraine like Azov. Absolutely. I mean, there's so many layers to this scandal. First of all, who is Azov? In order to understand the Azov Battalion and what's going on in Ukraine, we go back to 2014, right? 
there was a right-wing U.S.-backed coup, a viciously right-wing coup against a Russia-leaning government. It's often referred to as pro-Russian, but really... Russia-curious. Russia-curious. <laughs> I mean, really, was, it was not an anti-Russian government, which to the U.S. means they're pro-Russian. So in 2014, there's this so-called revolutionary movement they call Maidan, right? Euromaidan. And in this coup attempt, not just attempt, this, this actual coup that overthrew the elected government, far-right neo-Nazi groups played a major role. And there were parties like Svoboda and also the right sector that played a key role in this coup attempt, this actual coup. And then after the coup, during the coup and after the coup, there were these neo-Nazi militias that were allied with some of the neo-Nazi far-right parties that, that you know, merged. Uh, and Azov was one of the major neo-Nazi, explicit neo-Nazi militias. And then there's also groups like C-14. C-14, which is another neo-Nazi militia that has been carrying out, um, people might have seen pogroms against the Romani population. Uh, actually, I wrote another article at the Gray Zone about how a member of this neo-Nazi militia, C-14, spoke at the America House in Ukraine, which is basically an, an arm of the U.S. government. An, an actual member of this neo-Nazi group, that their name C-14, 14 comes from the 14 words, which is a white supremacist slogan about how they will not replace us, whatever, white people are the best, whatever. So another neo-Nazi militia that became more and more prominent after the 2014 anti-Russian coup is the Azov Battalion. And the Azov Battalion, after the coup, merged directly with the Ukrainian National Guard. It is in was incorporated into the Ukrainian National Guard. And now the Azov Battalion still exists as an independent structure, but it's part of the Ukrainian state. So you have an explicit neo-Nazi militia that is working with the Ukrainian National Guard, which is also trained and armed by the U.S. government. The U.S. military trains and arms the National Guard. So there are photos in 2017. This is not from back in 2014. This is two years ago. In 2017, the Azov Battalion posted on its official website photos of American and also Canadian military officials meeting with leaders of the Azov Battalion and giving them military training and advice and talking about how they can work together to fight the evil boogeyman Russia, right? And the thing about Azov is some, some of the smarter anti-Russia hawks who say, we have to support Ukraine, They'll say things like, well, Ukraine has an extremism problem, but Azov is not neo-Nazi. That's just Russian propaganda. Well, all you have to do is go look at Azov's logo. Azov's logo is explicitly neo-Nazi. Anyone who knows like the most basic knowledge about neo-Nazi symbols can recognize it. The, the Azov battalion symbol is the German Wolfsangel. This is a, an old German pagan symbol that was reused uh, in, the, in the 20th century by the Nazis. And it was, it was put on the patches of the SS and, and of German soldiers and paramilitary groups during World War II and then on the Holocaust. They also, the Azov Battalion, in all of its symbols, you can see giant photos of its soldiers training. But you can see behind them, they always have the black sun. The black sun is an explicit white supremacist symbol. Anyone who sees it can recognize it. There's a lot of members of Azov that actually have the black sun white supremacist tattoo around their elbow. And that's a common thing that neo-Nazis do. So yeah, they're not using the swastika. They're not putting up photos of Hitler, but they're doing like one degree removed. It's not that blatant, but it's still really blatant. And there are photos of the Azov battalion, 
you know, Heiling Hitler and, you know, it, it's just, it's very clear that this is a neo-Nazi group. So anyone trying to pretend like this U.S. supported group is not neo-Nazi, it's just, they're just doing PR. And, and another, another quick note I'll mention is that it's not only the U.S. military that has been directly supporting this neo-Nazi group, it's also Israel, and this is like the biggest scandal of all, you know, the self-declared defender of international Jewry, supposedly this apartheid state that, you know, justifies apartheid and colonialism based on supposedly protecting international Jewry, is sending weapons to a Ukrainian neo-Nazi militia. And how do we know this? Because Azov posted video on its official YouTube channel with the neo-Nazi symbol, the Wolfsangel, on the flag behind it, and the Ukrainian flag, holding an Israeli Tavor rifle. And in response to that, an Israeli human rights group published an open letter in the, in the major Israeli daily, Haaretz, saying that, the, that Israel should stop sending weapons to Ukraine. So this should be such an enormous scandal, but of course, corporate media outlets basically just ignore it. And if they do cover it, they'll say this is Russian propaganda. The Israeli government did not like the gray zone. When the gray zone reported on this, they, uh, they sent a letter uh, calling out our, our editor, Max Blumenthal, uh, and basically dismissing this, and which you guys also reported on at the gray zone too. Well, there was the Ukrainian embassy in Israel. Okay. After we reported on this, and after the article, specifically, we've been reporting on it, but everyone ignores us because we're an independent media outlet. But specifically, when Haaretz, the major Israeli newspaper, published this, this open letter about how this Ukrainian Nazi militia has Israeli weapons, the letter was published under the pseudonym John Brown, which is the famous anti, the abolitionist, famous anti-slavery leader in the U.S. Uh, so this pseudonym was, it was obvious that it's not an Israeli. So the Ukrainian embassy in Israel immediately said, this is Max Blumenthal, we know it's Max Blumenthal, we know. Of course it wasn't Max, but they attacked the gray zone and Max by name in a, letter, in a public letter. So it's just, again, it's a sign of how not only do corporate media outlets ignore this scandal, but when people actually do report on it, we're attacked by not just other you know, propagandists, we're attacked by states by the actual Ukrainian embassy in Israel. And it just shows that, you know, these scandals, there's a reason they're not necessarily covered. And it's because, as we saw, the New York Times admitted that it sends stories to the, the U.S. government, sensitive stories to the U.S. government before publication to, to make sure that there's nothing that, that threatens national security, that many of these media outlets, you know, they're working hand in glove with intelligence agencies to make sure that they're not challenging national security. It speaks to the level of servitude uh, among U.S. media outlets that it's only those of us sort of on the margins, like the Gray Zone, uh, and the Nation magazine as well, and a few others, that have been willing to cover and really take on the fact that we are arming neo-Nazis in, in Ukraine. You know, speaking of Max Blumenthal, I want to uh, play a clip, actually, because this also ties into Joe Biden. Um, Max Blumenthal last year went to a talk in D.C. where uh, there was a bipartisan group that was hosting uh, Andre Perubi, the former speaker of the Ukrainian parliament, also a founder of neo-Nazi parties. So Max Blumenthal went, tried to ask questions, and among the people he tried to uh, question was Mike Carpenter, who is a uh, top foreign policy advisor to none other than Joe Biden. They're the vanguard of the fight against pro-Russian separatists in the East. 
and they're flexing their muscle in Kiev by deploying a so-called national militia. Following the Senate event, I spotted Michael Carpenter, a former State Department official who helped encourage the 2014 Maidan coup in Ukraine alongside his boss, then-Vice President Joe Biden. Did you think it was a good idea to bring Karubi, who's founded two neo-Nazi parties, to the Senate and for Paul Ryan to meet with him? Look, I think uh, Andrei Parubi is a uh, conservative uh, nationalist who is a, also a patriot, cares about his country. I don't think he has any neo-Nazi neo uh, uh, inclinations uh, nor background. I mean, a lot has been made of this. Frankly, I think it's uh, mostly Russian propaganda. But it's not just the Russians who've reeled in horror at Peruby's far-right background. Eugene Robinson, a columnist for the Washington Post, described the party that Peruby founded as openly neo-fascist. And the Atlantic Council, the NATO-funded think tank that currently employs Carpenter, recently acknowledged that Ukraine's got a real problem with far-right violence, and no, RT, the Russian-backed broadcaster, didn't write this headline. For people like Carpenter, though, disturbing historical facts like these matter less than the chance to saber-rattle against Russia. Andrew Parabi is another one of these figures who has been whitewashed in Western corporate media. When he's discussed, Andrew Parabi is the head of the Rada. He's the chair of the Ukrainian parliament. It's called the Rada. This is a major figure. He's not just like some minor fringe character. He's the head of the parliament. And he's the founder of two neo-Nazi groups. Specifically, he's the founder of a Nazi-style party called the Social National Party of Ukraine. Come on. People say, oh, it's not Nazi. They just took around National Socialists and just reversed it. The, so the Social National Party of Ukraine. You can find photos of him. He wrote a book. And you can find photos of Andriy Parabi in a Nazi-style uniform. He looks like a brown shirt. It's just so obvious. They use... Again, German pagan symbols. It's just, they're obviously neo-Nazis. And he put on a suit. He doesn't use the German pagan runes anymore. But it's just so clear that his politics are the same. But he's been rehabilitated by Washington because he's anti-Russia. So it's the same logic of the enemy of the enemy is my friend that we saw in Syria and Libya. where And Yemen right now. It's not even just in the past. Right now as we speak major media outlets have acknowledged that the U.S., the U.K., Saudi Arabia, and the U.A.E. have been supporting al-Qaeda in Yemen because they're fighting the Houthi movement, Ansar Allah, which is allied with Iran. So the enemy of the enemy is my friend. We're going to support these fascist groups. That's what they are. Al-Qaeda, these neo-Nazis, they're all fascist. There's Islamist versions of it. There's white supremacist versions. There's Hindu nationalist versions of it. But they're all fascists. And the U.S. has for many years, and not just the U.S., the British have on and off flirted with these groups and supported them against the boogeyman, Russia, the Soviet Union, China. So it's not new what the U.S. is doing in Ukraine. It's what the U.S. did in Libya, and it's what the U.S. did in Syria. But anyone who calls it out, we're called propagandists, Russian shills or whatever. And then when these neo-Nazi figures are invited to Washington, they roll out the red carpet. <laughs> And, and major think tanks, the Atlantic Council, the, the Council on Foreign Relations, they welcome in these groups and they help whitewash them because they have the suits on. They help whitewash the former Nazis and say, oh, they might be conservative, but they're now respectable conservatives. I mean, it, it's really outrageous. And like you said, the fact that only minor independent 
alternative media outlets are reporting on this is it should be a major scandal. And the final note is I'll say, not only should it be a major scandal, but it's actively threatening all of our security because this blowback, I use the term blowback, this blowback is very real. And if the FBI didn't hadn't arrested this far-right extremist, he might have carried out bomb attacks on journalists and democratic politicians. So it's not just, this is not just a theoretical exercise. We're not just having a political discussion. This actually, this endangers lives, not just abroad, but here at home. And you think about the security of people in Ukraine who are having to endure this proxy war right now between the U.S. and Russia after the U.S. sparked a, or helped back a coup there, the Maidan one, as you mentioned. And, uh, and what they have to live with, including now having neo-Nazis in their midst and, um, and dealing with that. And again, this is why it's important to think about this in the context of the current conversation about Joe Biden. All this attention on President Trump and whether or not he pressured Ukraine to investigate Biden. Maybe that's true. And it's quite possible that Trump did something corrupt here and tried to use this for his own political gain. But it's important not to overlook the other parts of this scandal, not just the fact that Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, got a uh, lucrative spot on a Ukrainian gas company's board of directors after his father helped engineer a coup in Ukraine and as his father spearheaded U.S. policy there, but also the fact that the regime or the government that the U.S. brought in has welcomed neo-Nazi militias into its midst. And now we have the arrest of a U.S. soldier uh, who wanted to join uh, that militia in Ukraine. Blowback, as you talk about, Ben Norton. Final comment as we wrap. No, I mean, you said it all. And the final comment I'll all say is that this is not the first example. I mean, I should have even mentioned earlier that there have been other cases of these far-right extremists going to Ukraine to get training and then coming back and carrying out acts of violence and terror at home, not just in the U.S., but in Europe. And last November, the FBI also indicted four more American white supremacists from the so-called Rise Above movement. They had gone to Ukraine to train with these neo-Nazi groups that are also backed by the U.S. And then they came home and they carried out acts of violence against anti-fascists and anti-racists. And they were involved in the violent attacks at Charlottesville. And, you know, so many liberals and progressives have rightfully condemned the fascist violence at Charlottesville and it was an act it was absolutely horrible and it should have been a big scandal but they're completely silent about the fact that the US government the military the national security state which they support is supporting these same far-right fascist groups in Ukraine and in other countries so this is not the only example we've seen of blowback this is just the latest and the last thing I'll say is many of the very same corporate media outlets that once whitewashed the Azov Battalion and these Ukrainian fascists, the, the moderate rebels in Ukraine, are now also warning, and, and I mentioned in my article at the Gray Zone, Vice Media, the, the hipster media arm of the empire, Vice Media in 2014 directly embedded with the neo-Nazi Azov Battalion, whitewashed them and talked about Russian roulette, how they were fighting the, the Russian invaders. And now, five years later, in, in this 2019, this year, Vice published an article warning that far-right extremists, white supremacists from the U.S. and Europe have been going to Ukraine, training with the Azov Battalion and other groups, and coming back home with plans to, to carry out acts of violence against left-wing groups. And, of course, Vice didn't mention in its article that it had the history of whitewashing these same Nazis five years before because they're anti-Russian. Or, of course, none of these media outlets acknowledge that the U.S. government 
has directly supported these neo-Nazis. It should be the scandal of the decade, but of course, anyone who says these truths is obviously a Russian shill. <laughs> well, uh, the article at the Gray Zone Band, your latest one, is called Bomb Plotting Extremist American Soldier Tried to Join U.S.-Backed Neo-Nazi Militia in Ukraine. We'll link to it. Ben Norton, assistant editor at the Gray Zone, thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Aaron.